the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flash over substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, my co-host Larry Dersham, and I have a wonderful show for you tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. We have two very practical guests with us tonight, which is something that is very important to us because we care about those kitchen table issues that affect every single one of us. Larry, who do we have on the line for the first half? Yes, Wendy. About two weeks ago... My wife and I saw an amazing movie in a local theater here in Southern California called Unsilenced. It had actors and actresses in the film, but it was a real-life portrayal of persecution and censorship in communist China, and it shook me to the bone. Today, we are extremely fortunate to have with us the film's director and producer, Mr. Leon Lee. Leon Lee is a Chinese-Canadian filmmaker who shares intriguing stories that help shine a light on human rights issues. Leon's debut film, Human Harvest, was an expose about China's illegal organ trade and was viewed by millions worldwide and received the illustrious Peabody Awards. His goal is to create an impact by bringing true stories to life in unforgettable ways, sparking vital discussion on topics of international importance. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Lee. Thank you for having me. I understand your movie Unsilenced was nearly silenced. Uh, That was quite a story. Can you tell us a little bit about the intimidation that was used to prevent your movie from being made? Sure. We were sort of living the experience that we are trying to portray on film. Uh, Obviously, because of the subject matter, uh, the film is uh, based on real-life events, by the way, when the Chinese regime launches a brutal crackdown against 100 million citizens in China, a team of innocent students and an jaded American reporter come together to counter the propaganda. So because of the subject matter, we cannot shoot this film in China. So we went to Taiwan instead. But even in Taiwan, uh, the crew member and cast member were very afraid. Uh, some people would back off even after signing a deal memo. Some uh, locations, uh, owners, they would cancel our rental days before production were to start. So it was a constant struggle to find new locations, find new people to, uh, to finish this film. Mr. Lee, your movie does a great job revealing the inner workings of the propaganda machine and security apparatus 
of the Chinese Communist Party. Do you see the CCP as a threat not only to the people of China, but to the West? And if yes, what does the West need to do to address this threat? There is no doubt that the CCP is um, really a threat to the Chinese people. If you look at over 2,000 newspapers in China, hundreds of TV stations, the entire Internet space were closely controlled by the CCP. There is really no independent voice, which allows this uh, large-scale human rights atrocities happening in China. And uh, it's also a threat to the West. Um, If, let's say, two or three years before, if we talk about this, maybe it's a discussion on a uh, theoretical level. But nowadays, let's just imagine, what if in the beginning of the pandemic, the CCP was more transparent um, and and actually work with the international community to contain the virus? Then maybe nowadays we won't be facing such a catastrophe worldwide. So it does have a direct impact on our way of life in the West. In terms of what we should do about it, I think the first step is awareness, is to understand two things. One, the CCP and the Chinese people are very different things. The CCP uh, always try to hide behind the Chinese people. Uh, When anybody criticizes its human rights record, it often says, oh, you're hurting the feelings of 1.4 billion people. But it is the 1.4 billion people that they are trying to suppress. And the second thing is to realize, in my view, that the decades of, of policy from the West in terms of engaging with the CCP and hoping that China will become more open, now we know it doesn't work. Uh, we, the West needs you know, to I, stand firm. Yes? It, I'm sorry. I was just wondering to maybe tell us a little more about that. Uh, you say that how can we make it work? I think it's going to be fascinating uh, about your movie. What steps does the West need to take? Really, I'm so sorry. I I, I didn't hear uh, your question. I was wondering if you could give us some guidance as to what you think the West needs to do to take control of this issue. I mean, that would just be great. It might go a little bit beyond the scope of your movie, but sounds like you have a pretty good opinion as to what we can be doing to help this problem. Right. I think the West needs to give up uh, this uh, naivety that uh, somehow by engaging with with the CCP and by dialogue alone, that the CCP is going to change. Uh, We must realize that the CCP has a long-term goal for the West. They see democracies like the United States as an existential threat to the CCP's rule. So I think the West needs to come up with strategies to uh, confront China's aggression and also actually help the Chinese people in, in, in their fight against the CCP. You know, it's interesting, uh, whether it's claiming sovereignty over the South China Sea or threats made about retaking Taiwan or the expansive Belt and Road strategy of the CCP, it seems like they are in an expansionist mode. And um, 
you know, again, is there a danger? Let's just concentrate on the Belt and Road strategy. Is that a potential danger? They're they're actually expanding their economics, infrastructure, and so forth. Is that a potential problem too? Now we know after 1989 and the massacre, Deng Xiaoping had this strategy, Tao Guang Yang Hui, which loosely means to hide your strength and and bite your time. Uh, now, after decades of uh, economic development, and mostly with the assistance of the West, CCP felt it is time. It is time to show their strength. It is time to be more aggressive. And we see many signs of that. Now, if China, if, if the CCP is, is a democracy and really promote peace uh, and human rights worldwide, then sure, of course, I don't see that a problem. But it's, it's the contrary, right? We know that the CCP has a terrible human rights record, and the regimes who are friends of the CCP often share the, the same uh, problems. So that's why I don't think the CCP is a force for peace, uh, and that's why the West needs to confront it. You know, I was wondering, also, the FBI director, Christopher Ray said just this week in an interview on NBC's nightly news that when he learned how widespread the Chinese spying is in the U.S., it blew him away. And he says, I don't ordinarily even use that term to be blown away, but he did. And is there anything we need to do even internally as far as like the spy and the intellectual property theft to kind of like tighten down our security here in the West? Oh, absolutely. If you speak to intelligence officials in the West, almost everybody will tell you that the CCP is the number one threat, whether it's economic espionage or is military secrets uh, or or even uh, their infiltration in, in, in the politics in the West. So I think uh, the most important thing is for the people to understand the, the reality in China, to see the CCP for what it is. And that's one of my goals in making Unsilence, is through the stories of these young students and American reporter, people will have a first-hand experience on how the censorship works in China, um, how the security apparatus works. And when we understand that, I think naturally actions will follow. That's great. And before we get too long, uh, I, I want to make sure we get this in. How do people see this uh, amazing movie, uh, Unsilenced? I, I, like I said, I saw it with my wife and I about two weeks ago here in uh, Southern California, and it was just riveting. And I just think, I hope everybody can see it. Right. Um, you can go to unsilencedmovie.com, where we have a list of theaters. I believe, uh, you know, about where you are, we have... Uh, Reading Cinema, Town Square in San Diego, and also Cinemark uh, Cinema in uh, Huntington Beach. Okay, excellent. And you also have a website, uh, right, where people get actually maybe view the trailers and things like that? Is there a website? Uh, absolutely. It's unsilencedmovie.com. Okay, perfect. And uh, we just have a couple of uh, seconds left, I guess, pretty much are less than 30 seconds. But um, I was just curious about the Winter Olympics have started, I guess, uh, yesterday, February 4th, and they're going to run through Sunday, February 20th in China. And um, it's interesting that they're even kind of 
tamping down the speech of the athletes that are coming there from foreign countries, right? They're so controlling. And again, just a really quick answer because we are out of time here. But um, is that a problem with even the Olympics? Let me just want to mention one thing briefly. They actually sent a Uyghur athlete to, uh, to deliver the Olympic flames in the opening ceremony. Now we know that many Western countries are having a diplomatic boycott, and they mentioned the atrocities committed towards the Uyghur community in China. Oh, that's fascinating. So that's kind of way of saying, you know, they don't really care. Okay, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much, Mr. Lee, for coming on. That is so insightful of what you said, and I wish you the best with that movie. It's a wonderful movie. Thank you for having me. Okay. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. Uh, I am not Wendy Patrick. I am the co-host of the show, Larry Dersham. Uh, Wendy couldn't be with us for this second half, but we have an amazing second half for you. We are so pleased to have with us Rodney Scott. Uh, Rodney Scott served as the 24th Chief of the United States Border Patrol from January 24th, 2020 to June 23rd. 2021 in both the Trump and Biden administrations. He was born in Indiana and raised in Nogales, Arizona, before discovering his calling as a U.S. Border Patrol agent. Chief Scott has been with the Border Patrol since 1992. His first assignment was at the Imperial Beach Station in San Diego, and he quickly advanced to being the head of the United States Border Patrol. He was succeeded last year by Raul Ortiz, who is the current chief of the U.S. Border Patrol. Welcome to the program, Mr. Scott. Well, thank you for having me on today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Right. Now, I just quickly wanted to find out what led you to desire a career in the border enforcement, what was it that kind of brought you into the profession? You know, there were a lot of different uh, aspects of it. Um, I always wanted to give back, do something, you know, that with a meaning. Uh, I was also very interested in aviation. Uh, when I first joined, I planned on being a pilot for the Border Patrol. I'd gone through uh, flight training, was flying uh, commercially uh, for a small corporation. And that just seemed like a good place to, to add my, you know, put my skills to work. And I, I was very, I got exposed to the Border Patrol in Nogales, Arizona, but back then it was primarily drug enforcement. Uh, and oh. then when I shifted to San Diego, I found out there was actually an illegal immigration problem as well. Uh, but that, that, that was the beginning that just shows how complex border security is. I was only a few hundred miles away and had no idea how different the job was in a different location. Wow. So just we'll just jump right over to the immigration and the border situation, our, mainly as our southern border we're concerned about. So how bad is the crisis at the U.S. southern border? For example, I've heard that up to 2 million illegals have entered the U.S. since Biden took office, and those are just the ones we know about. So, so how bad is it in your mind? It's honestly worse than I've ever seen in my entire career. And like you said, I started in 92. 
Uh, those of you in San Diego remember how the border was out of control back in the 90s. Yes. Uh, I, I would argue this is actually worse than it was then. Um, you mentioned the 2 million, but those were actually encountered. There's over another 400,000 documented gotaways. But unlike prior administrations, this administration has really focused on, uh, since January, expediting processing, which resulted in almost all the agents in several different stations being assigned inside doing processing of illegal aliens and not patrolling the border at all. So we really have no idea what made it past. We can just look at the statistics and the demographics of what was caught uh, and then add that 400,000 that you know tried to get away. Uh, but, you know, the, we're not talking about narcotics. We haven't talked about terrorists. We haven't talked about criminal aliens. Those are all the threats that are mixed in there. Right. Now, uh, what is the terrorist screening database? I think they abbreviate that at TSDB. And do you think it is being used effectively by the current administration to prevent terrorists from entering our country, especially across the unprotected sectors of our southern border? I know it concerns us all uh, regarding that. Yeah, so just a little background, uh, overly simplifying, but basically it's the National uh, Terrorist Watch List. Uh, There's different levels on there from people that are actually known to be terrorists all the way down to ties. Uh, The FBI manages that list. Um, And then I think we've gotten way better since 9-11, of course. Anybody that that Border Patrol or CDP encounters, they fingerprint them and photograph them, and it's ran through a bunch of databases to include that one. So from that aspect, how they use it is is pretty automated. Uh, But I think the highlight is traditionally we have not caught a lot of known or suspected, a lot of people on that list crossing the southwest border in between the ports of entry. We've encountered them at airports trying to fly legally. Mm. There's there's a lot of other nuances there. Uh, But with this mass migration coming across the southwest border, there was at least 14 uh, individuals on that list that we caught crossing the southwest border before I retired. And wow. I think there's been a few more since then. Wow. Um, it, it, that's a big threat. Yeah. Who knows what got away? Don't they have a, a category? They, they, there's a name for it. Other than Latinos, there's a name, they're coming from China, from all parts of the world. Is there a name for that grouping of people? There's there's categories, if you will. If you go on to cbp.gov, okay. into their news, you can pull down all the statistics. Okay. Traditionally, the mass, the, the largest numbers of people crossing the southwest border, especially uh, from Mexico, uh, early in my career, were Mexicans. And then the next category, we commonly referred to just as other than Mexicans. And those were just the two breaks because there was such a huge population. Okay. Last few years, they've broken it down into the Northern Triangle area. Latin America. But it's important for the listeners to, to know that, you know, they're focusing on big numbers there. But again, before I retired in August, actually, we had arrested people from 150 different nations wow. crossing the border illegally into the United <laughs> States through, through Mexico. So it's not just those countries. Well, that's pretty much every country in the world, I think. <laughs> 150. Yeah, I think America actually currently recognizes about 190 countries yeah. nationwide. So that varies. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good chunk of them. Now, this this is what really got me on the news. I just watched the news and, you know, I watch it and see what they're talking about. And it says, so is it true that apprehended illegals are not tested for disease, including COVID-19, but they're still being released into our country and even treated?
transported by bus and plane throughout the United States. Is that actually happening? Yeah, that, that is actually happening. Uh, so especially at the southwest border in between the ports of entry, uh, Border Patrol stations aren't set up. They don't, they don't have the medical capabilities uh, to do any type of systematic testing. Um, there's no COVID vaccinations um, at all. So anybody that's being released into the U.S. currently, to the extent CBP can, uh, they work with non-governmental organizations that are getting grant money. Uh, to try to get these people tested and to get vaccines or whatever. But I think it's also important your listeners know you can't mandate it. Yes. So the way it's set up currently, the, the, you know, there's a lot of misinformation coming out of this administration trying to give people a, a comfort level that all this stuff is taking place. But there's no way you can force the aliens to stay. Once CBP is done with them and they give them their paperwork, uh, they're free to move about the country at will. They can go wherever they want. Okay. Uh- in your mind, would a return to the Trump policy of completing construction of the border wall, which was almost done, I understand, and a return to his remain in Mexico policy help, would that help the situation? Yeah, it would help out dramatically. So, again, uh, San Diego specific, this is where really the, the border wall system was perfected over about 30 years. A lot of people call it like the Trump border wall, but that's not really true. It was created and designed by Border Patrol agents, and then, you know, Trump put a lot of uh, emphasis on it and gave us a lot more support. Uh, but that, that was really a design built from Border Patrol agents with a lot of experience. And that makes every single agent uh, more effective. And one has to go no farther than uh, looking at the border between Tijuana and San Diego to see how much that improved the environment made both countries, both cities a lot safer. Absolutely. On top of that, the Remain in Mexico program, that gets a lot of attention, too, but overly simplified. It just makes sure that someone has due process in front of a judge before they're allowed free access to the entire United States, which is what they want. As soon as we put that in place, it weeded out about 90 percent of the asylum claims because they were fraudulent. Yes. Uh, they were based on economics and, and nothing else. Those two pieces together, they, they dramatically changed the border environment for the better. And when Biden took him away, it made Border Patrol's job all but impossible. Wow. Now, have our open border policies led to an increase in human sex trafficking and illegal drug smuggling? And who's behind this importation of fentanyl that has led to the death of thousands of Americans? So a complex question, but uh, as far as the sex trafficking, uh, it's hard to tell. But you'd be naive to think that it did not. So the only way that Border Patrol agents or any investigator can really get down in the weeds and decide or figure out that someone's being trafficked for free to slave labor or sex trafficking or whatever um, is a good debrief, a good interview, and basically find breaks in the story or interact with people long enough to see their, their body language, that they're nervous, they're scared. When agents are arresting 5,000 people a day, they don't oh. have that kind of time. They literally don't have the time to, to, to figure out if it's a fake family and the kid is actually being trafficked. Wow. On top of that, the cartels now are controlling all of this. So the cartels use these massive numbers of people very, very effectively uh, to push them across the border and then overwhelm Border Patrol resources. So they create these big gaps in border security. And then they're bringing the narcotics, the criminal aliens, potentially even terrorists across the border through those gaps uh, with minimal risk. 
so we are seeing an increase. We've seen an increase in drug seizures, even though agents aren't out there, which just means the flow has increased even more. Uh, and fentanyl is a synthetic, so they don't have to grow it. They can just make this stuff in labs. They're getting the uh, the precursor chemicals from China pretty much at will. It's deadly. Um, much, I know it. Yeah, it's deadly. It's a lower investment on their part for a lot higher return. But it's poison. It's killing people left and right, as you know. Oh, my goodness. So, Chief, we're almost at the end of our show. Are you still doing work in this area? Is there a website you want to refer to? Or just, um, I know, you, I think you are continuing in this work in some form, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually working with Texas Public Policy Foundation, uh, advocating for, for more reasonable border security policies, working with some congressionals and uh, trying to just push legitimate policy. I'm still currently in the San Diego area for now, even though I work with them. But I'd refer people to to, uh, to Texas Public Policy um, to, to reach out and contact me or, or for further Fantastic. Well, we got to uh, stop it right there, unfortunately. You have so much information. Thank you, Chief Scott, for coming on. This is really helpful to our listeners. Thank you for having me today. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.